Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. How do you make new friends as an adult? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and from WBEZ Chicago, this is Reset. We recently spoke with experts on Twitter spaces about this question, which I'm sure many of us have grappled with. When I got to Chicago two years ago, it was certainly something I had to contend with. And while I did have some success, I kind of wish I would have had this next conversation before I arrived. Our guests were Dr. Marissa Franco, a professor, psychologist, and author of the book Platonic, How the Science of Attachment Can Help You Make and Keep Friends as an Adult. And Anna Goldfarb. She's the friendship correspondent for The New York Times. Pretty amazing title, right? And she's the author of the forthcoming book, Modern Friendship. We'll start by hearing from Anna. I think everyone wants to have friendships and wants to have space and time, but our our lives get more complicated after we turn 25. We have so many competing responsibilities to our job, to our families, and friendships are just the first thing usually cut when pressed for time because they're voluntary. Friendships are just unfortunately seen as more expendable, which is a shame because friendships are so crucial to our sense of nourishment to our, I mean, we're humans are, you know, built to be social. We, it's such a crucial component to um, managing our, our, our lives, our emotional lives, our physical, emotional, they just impact, they touch everything. There's actually a few reasons that all sort of coalesce to make friendships much trickier to maintain when we're older. Um, just real quick, people are getting married in, later in life. You know, when you get married later, you're, you know, you move, you just have different groups of friends you have to mesh together. I married at 39 and I already had a group of friends. My husband had a group of friends and the chance of this all hanging out is like zero. I mean, there's no... <laughs> commonality we we all we have very um different different friend groups so they just never mesh and the last one is that people are working longer hours and traveling more for work so again like when people are off the clock they just want to decompress and it's really hard to make time and effort and spend money on friendships like let's go out to eat let's get a drink it's like well that costs money it's easy um, to see friendship take the back burner yeah. in all of those instances. Well, I do want to bring along one of your friends on this Marissa, ride. Marissa, I know I've been yes. talking a lot. I'm no, Dr. Marissa G. Franco <laughs> hi, is here. Hi, hi, Marissa. Good to, good to hear from you. She's a professor, psychologist, and author of the book Platonic, How the Science of Attachment Can Help You Make and Keep Friends as an Adult. Thank you so much for having me. And hi, Anna, you did a great job answering that question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll chime in for us, Marissa. What do you think are some factors that that make it harder to make new friends or or just to keep up with the ones that we already have as grownups? You know, I, one thing that I wanted to target in my book platonic was like fundamentally how we perceive friendships, like 
we perceive them as like this relationship that's like positive vibes only and low maintenance and just someone that we like whose companies that we enjoy. And when the original term platonic was constructed by this guy, Marsilio Ficino, he kind of saw it as this relationship that was so profound, it transcends the physical. And I think we, we, we kind of compartmentalize platonic love in a way so that we see it as less than, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where if I see friendship as an inferior relationship, I invest in it less. I'm less likely to make my friends feel special, less likely to fly across the country for them than family or spouse. And then of course it's going to be less strong. And so I think our concept of what it means to be a friendship, to be a friend has been diminishing over time. And, you know, we hear it when people say like they love a low maintenance friend or only good vibes in their life when that's just not, um, that can't be reconciled with what it means to be intimate with someone. So I think Mm -hmm. in general, we can like benefit from breaking down the silos that we put friendship in as a a separate species from family, a separate species from romantic partners and assume that, you know, we do all these different behaviors that are less profound in the ways that we treat our friends versus how we treat these other special people in our lives. Yeah. And and just thinking back to an earlier point that, uh, Anna made about travel, um, sort of getting in the way of making these, uh, or maintaining our friendships. I'm thinking of travel in terms of my personal life. For instance, I moved to a brand new city, um, in my late thirties, uh, to take on this job. And of course comes the need to make new friends, right? I, I've still got my longtime friends. I've still got friends from high school days, but who wants to live in a new city and not have friends to be able to go have a drink with, go have dinner with, um, just, you know, go escape from the day to day. And so for me, what sort of kept me from making friendships was just sheer laziness, if I can be honest, because it was like, oh, well, the idea of making new friends sounds great. I'm in a new city. It makes sense. But then I'm like, okay, but they're going to have to drag me out of the house. How is this going to work? I'm going to be the most boring friend ever. So I just, I talked myself out of it for a, a good year and just remained isolated. Is that something that you've heard in your reporting, Anna? Oh, definitely. I think there's a mental, there's a mental block. I think it's sort of a lack of imagination when you've had really deep time-consuming friendships and then you get a bit older and you're move away um you might think i need to have that same kind of friendship and how am i going to come up with something like deeply intimate where you know i know their parents i know their i've been to their uncle's house like i think the imagination is well can i have friendships that look a little different in this stage of my life um and friendships can also happen organically i think people forget that you didn't set out to make your best friends that you you developed a rapport because you were in the same class you were in the same physical space right um, you didn't say I want to meet this woman in my pottery class and we're definitely going to be best friends and you know it's just sort of happenstance um so it's creating those opportunities for yourself to let something organic happen the struggle is real out here trying to make new friends in a new city Yeah, I think related to like what Anna says, like, there's a time in our life where friendship does happen organically, and it is not adulthood. (laughs) Um, You know, when we're children, and we have school, and we're seeing people every day. And um, there's a sociologist, Rebecca Adams, who says we need to see people repeatedly, 
over time and we need to get vulnerable with them. And that's what really fosters friendship. But as adults, we don't really inhabit context with those ingredients unless we seek them out. And so we can't just assume it's going to happen for us. We need to be intentional about making friends. We need to put ourselves in spaces where we do see people repeatedly over time, joining clubs, joining groups. We need to ask people like, hey, it's been so great to connect. I, I'd love to follow up. Would you be open to sharing contact information Right. and um, find time to connect with them? Brenda, I believe you had a question. Yes. Hi. Um, I'm a producer um, on Reset. And I just wanted, I, I had a comment. Um, Sasha, to your point, um, you had said something about how you felt like maybe you were being lazy as you were like trying to make friends moving into a new city. And I just wanted everyone to know that um, Sasha has kids. She has two kids. And that definitely uh, adds a different level of complexity, I think, to making friends. Um, I also moved to Chicago a little over a year ago and I don't have kids. And I still struggled so hard getting out there and putting myself there and making friends. Um, but I like what Marissa said about how you have to really be intentional about going out and putting yourself in a space where you can like talk with other people who have similar interests. I feel like that's been the biggest thing that's helped me connect with people here. Yes. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, Brenda, and, and reminding me about the kids, because <laughs> that's yeah. actually really important. As I said before, the struggle is real. And, and Anna and, and Marissa, the loneliness problem that, that comes with this as an adult, right? It's disproportionately impacting men, right? It is disproportionately impacting men. Uh, we saw from the survey data that about 30 years ago, from now, from, from about 30 years ago, five times as many men have no friends, four times as many women have no friends. And what I think men are up against, it's something called homo hysteria, which is the fear of being perceived as gay. And so unfortunately, this can come up with very basic intimacies that men express towards other men, that there's this fear. Like I, I talked to my brother actually about making friends. And he's like, I invited an old friend out to dinner. And that friend said, can we do lunch or bring another person? So it, it doesn't come off as weird. And so I think men are in the stuck place where sometimes like I want to make friends, but I feel like anything that I do to create intimacy might lead to some sort of stigma, some sort of stigma that suggests that I'm, I'm not masculine or some unfair stigma against um, sexuality. The other thing that men are up against, because men are about half as likely to share something loving towards their friend in a given mm -hmm. week or um, be vulnerable with their friends in a given week. And, and it's, it's an issue of safety, right? Vulnerability issues are safety issues. Women tend to report that their closest friendships are with other yes. women. For men, it's mixed. Their closest friendships are sometimes with other women, sometimes with other men. Interesting. Um, so, so yeah, it's hard for men to, to feel like they can be safe, fully safe to be vulnerable around other men. And because vulnerability is what really deepens connection, there's there's this fraughtness around engaging in all these behaviors that create intimacy. Yeah. Well, let's hear from one of our friends here in the space. Julia's got a question or comment. Hey, Julia, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I am curious, uh, kind of on the flip side of, of making and keeping friends, um, the to hear anyone's input on the natural progression of when a friendship wanes and um, the differences in uh, platonic relationships versus romantic or familial relationships. And also like how to let a friendship go when, when it's just run its course or when it's no longer serving, serving people. Oh, such a good question, Julia. And I'm going to kick that one your way. 
You know, um, I want to say all of this is normal. And I'm going to start real quick by saying five common reasons that friendships become strained or dissolve. First one is someone moves away. Something that of your routine is disrupted. Um, the second reason is there's a mismatch in values or opinions, like your politics are incompatible. You realize your values aren't really aligning. The third is there's a change in life circumstance. So one person goes to grad school or one person gets married or one person gets divorced or it's like this big change. The fourth one, of course, there's a conflict of some sort, like betrayal. And the fifth one is a drifting due to change in personality or lifestyle. Like if you if you go out partying all the time and then one of you is like, well, actually, I'm sober now. That can be hard for a friendship to exist when you know, the, the commonality has been, you know, changed or altered. So with all that said, it's totally normal for friendships to come and go for any of those reasons. They can happen at any time in your life. As for how to communicate it, I'm not sure if you need to communicate anything. If you're willing to let the friendship go, I would say sometimes friendships have seasons. Sometimes it's a quiet season. So sometimes when you think a friendship is dead, you're always surprised when like 10 years later, like, oh, you actually live in the neighborhood I want to live in. Oh, wait, that, then you reconnect. So it's hard yeah. to predict if a friendship is really dead sometimes. It's just on a little break. It's on hiatus before it gets rebooted, like, um, you know, Charlie's yeah. Angels or something. <laughs> um, but you don't have that information in the moment. You don't know that, you know, you might connect over something else down the line. Um, anything else to add, Marissa? Like, what, what am I missing? No, I think you did a great job. I think mentioning the ebb and flow is is really important. Um, you know, I think when you want to end a friendship, thinking about, is this a chapter of our book or has this been the whole book? Like, has this issue that come up between us, was it, is it reflected in the history of our friendship? Or is it just like some sort of circumstance, like Anna says, which a lot of times drive these endings, right? And sometimes yeah. when it's just like, oh, this is just a chapter, then okay, let me wait this out and see how things change versus oh, this is actually a personality issue that's been there from the beginning and is kind of becoming more amplified Then we might not be as compatible anymore. So the nuts and bolts here, I, I want to make sure that we get them. Where are we finding new friends? Where, where should you go? It sounds really basic, but where do you go to meet new people? Are you recommending meetups? Are you recommending Bumble BFF? <laughs> uh, what are the strategies that you think are uh, just winners as far as getting us to find these friendships, Anna? As I've learned in my research, friendships, we have roles that our friends play. There's not one friend archetype. There's friends that are your collaborators that you might have at work, people who help you with your ideas. You have um, people who, who are mind openers that expose you to new uh, new ways of thinking, new bands, like um, Tom Rast wrote a book called, you know, Vital Roles in Friendship, something like that. And that really changed the way that I think about friends. So that might help sort of diagnose specifically of what kind of friend you're looking for. Um, as for where to meet people, I, when I find someone I want to be friends with, I've seen them online. I think they look cool. I'm interested in what they're doing. I always start by ask, introducing myself and asking how I can help them. And I, it's an interesting oh. way to having to channel an opening. So I was like, I love, I love what you're doing. You seem really cool. We, is there anything I can help you with? Like, what have you been working? What have you been struggling with? Like, how can I help? And you might be interested. You might be really surprised at the answers that come back. Someone might say, 
well, I'm trying to open an Etsy shop. I'm trying to get this recipe right. Actually, I could use help. Um, yeah, one I can relate to that, Anna, because I mean, one of the the few close friendships I have here now. I talked about my struggles earlier, but I do have a couple close friendships here now, and one in particular came about because she was so kind and so warm and so willing to help me get to know the city. So I was hands down like, yes, please help, and it just blossomed into something really nice. Um, but uh, Marissa, I'm wondering. You know, all this talk reminds us how busy life can be. I'm reminded at the time of year that we're at now, we're in December. Any recommendations that you can give us for maintaining friendships when things get hectic or even, you know, preserving friendships with folks that are not where we are long distance? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is some interesting research that like, um, the impact of like using technology to connect is greater when it's a long distance friend. So if I'm like reaching out to text a friend that lives here, it doesn't have as much impact on the friendship than if it's a friend that lives far away. So, um, technology, I think just reaching out to your friends over the phone or giving them a call can foster that friendship. Um, the last thing that I'll share, I think is really important for maintaining friendships is, being able to work through conflict. I think often when there's problems with a friend, we think it's time for me to let this friendship go. Mm-hmm. Um, when I read Platonic, then I found that actually having open empathic conflict creates more intimacy in your relationship. So I started actually addressing problems with my friends. And I will say it's scary, but it's also life-changing to know that like, oh, when we have a problem, we don't just have to endure it in like a, a bru- in a, a stewing silence that we could actually work on this and reconcile and understand each other more deeply. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let me squeeze in one more question for you before I let you all go. What does a healthy friendship need in order to grow? I will say something that's required in healthy friendship is we are both looking out for both ourselves and each other. I'm not trying to get you to do things that cause you to compromise your sense of self. And likewise, there's an investment in mutuality, which means that um, we're both considering both of us at the same time. Whereas in unhealthy relationships, it's, it tends to be one person getting all their needs met while the other person gets none of their needs met. So, um, so yeah, mutual commitment, mutual investment in, in one another. This episode of Reset was produced by Claire Hyman, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. If you want to listen live to our Twitter Spaces interviews, give us a follow at WBEZ Reset. It's a great way to interact with me live on air and to hear thoughtful conversations just like this. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a wonderful weekend. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.